Hello and welcome to the Tech UK podcast. Happy New Year. In January, we kicked off the year examining digital twins. We wanted to look at where we are today, where they're used, the technology behind them and where we can go in the future. And what that really means for us is real-time input of data delivering actionable insight that allows us to make tangible change to a particular asset that we found out could range from a nuclear power station down to a Formula One car. And we've got Peter Van Manen from Fraser Nash here to talk us through his experience with modeling digital twins at through from his time in Formula One to nuclear power stations and wind farms. Peter, welcome to the Tech UK podcast. What can you tell us about the application of digital twins technology, what we call digital twin technology in Formula One and how it's used by the team ultimately to to win races? Okay, well, Formula One started to use um, virtual engineering, which we now sort of talk about as digital twins, about 20 years ago. And the reason that it was adopted was primarily to be able to develop the cars quicker and with less waste along the way. To give a little bit of context, a Formula One car is made up of about 25,000 components. The car is designed over a nine-month period from about May through to January. It's then built and tested at the track for a few, uh, for about a month, and then it goes racing. And so when you start racing, uh, you sort of know what you think you've developed the car to do, but you will learn from experience uh, on the track and also seeing how your competitors are running. And so for the next 10 months, uh, every two weeks, you're developing the car to make it faster, to make it more reliable. And uh, the top teams, they'll be manufacturing three to 4,000 new components every week of the year. And so by adopting digital twins, virtual engineering, you can assess a lot of things before you commit to making. You can get them into service quicker, which ultimately means you have a better chance of winning more races. So this is about really how we iteratively improve the car's performance throughout the season, uh, as well as, I assume, on race day in terms of just understanding what's happening on the car and are there sort of sensors on the car that help them get that data uh, into the into the twin? Uh, yes, correct. And um, there will be both uh, simulations of the, of the car, but also other digital twins that are used on race day. So when the car is on the track, there are many sensors on the car measuring performance. Uh, on, on, in race trim, it's about 200 sensors. That's being, that information is being sent back via telemetry to the garages. In the garages, they will be running uh, digital twins, models of the engine, of the tires, of the fuel system, and using that to determine uh, what will be the impact of making strategic changes on the track. So you know, take, for example, uh, the engines. In Formula One these days, engines have to, three engines last the whole season. So a decision that you take today to uh, improve the the power uh, by changing the configuration of the fueling or the ignition, you also have to bear in mind, will that take life away from the engine 
and prevent me using that in a future race. So the digital twin is a way of looking at, um, I'm going to call it long-term planning. Uh, we're, we're talking about months rather than years here. But it's a way of dealing with the long-term planning for the engine as well as the instant requirement to be able to optimize that particular race. And so without digital twins, uh, that would all have to be done within, within the heads of the race engineers who oftentimes get it right and sometimes get it wrong. In terms of then how we take that from F1, which, as you said and portrayed there, is quite a dynamic environment. There's a lot going on. You've got to think about your competitors, weather, what type of race is best suited to your car. How can we then take that out and, and start to think about it as an infrastructure asset in the things that we are thinking about in terms of the energy system or components of the energy system, at least, such as power station or wind farms and, and what sort of lessons can we can we take from F1 which has a, a fairly long history in terms of using these sorts of models and analytic tools? Well I think one thing we have to recognize is that uh, Formula One is a reasonably structured environment so you have cars going around a racetrack um, so that that is a good thing uh, what makes it complicated is the fact that you are running everything at the extreme and you are doing things in uh, in too short a time. So you're, you're, you're basically trying to beat time and beat physics all the way along the way. If you go into a different sector, let's say the energy sector, uh, there are things which are more slower moving but it is a much more complex or, or messier problem to deal with. And so there are, there are many more interfaces bef- between parts uh, and those are, are not as well, uh, well structured or well understood. So that is a difference. It doesn't stop you from doing it. What you, you can take across from, uh, from Formula One is the fact that if you start creating models of critical parts of that infrastructure and you support it with uh, measurements and observations that in many times you already have and sometimes you you need to to build up upon, uh, you can, over time, create a, a virtual model or a digital twin of that infrastructure that starts helping you to, to frame observations and to understand what you're doing. Ultimately, what you're trying to achieve is uh, decision support and deciding what interventions you wish to make and remove the uncertainty of what outcomes they may to provoke. Uh, the data that feeds that is, is if, you, if you like, that's the, uh, the, the food that you need to eat to, <laughs> to understand what you need to do. So... Uh, what I would um, what I would say uh, you know, one of the things you can learn from motor racing is concentrate a little bit on the interventions that you you can make or you might wish to make and try to reduce the uncertainty of outcome and the digital twins and how they can combine together is a way of uh, understanding that better. Brilliant. Well, I think that is a good place to uh, end this part of the podcast, Peter. Thank you very much for 
uh, your contribution both at uh, the event that we had uh, here at Tech UK uh, and in the podcast. Thank you. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Now we have Sarah Hayes from the National Infrastructure Commission. Sarah, welcome to the Tech UK podcast. The report that the NIC published in 2017 is in many ways the reason we are here today talking about national digital twins. Can you just give us a bit of background on what led to the report being uh, formed and what are some of the key recommendations that came out of it? Yes, thanks, Matt. So we were asked the question um, by the Chancellor, how can new technologies improve the productivity of infrastructure? So we decided to focus our study on data and looking at how when you have more data about your infrastructure, you can better understand the condition of that infrastructure so that you can plan and prioritise maintenance. So, for example, you can fix a bridge before it falls down. So really we're talking about predict and prevent rather than uh, fail and fix when it comes to our infrastructure assets? Well, it's about ha- it's about having all information about infrastructure. So how we use infrastructure, how we manage it, how we maintain it, but also how we plan it in the future. And I suppose that also means how we can use it differently, uh, sort of different capacity, different uh, understanding of how, uh, as humans, we often uh, are sort of the the problem when it comes to infrastructure in some ways, uh, how to better uh, manage our flow across infrastructures as well, I guess. Yes, that's right. Because when you have more data about your infrastructure, you can understand um, how you're currently using it, where where people are traveling to, where people need to travel to, what energy consumption is, and you can look at how to ba- better manage that system as a whole. So it's looking across infrastructure, across energy, um, transport, communications, so that you can better manage um, infrastructure systems. And what have we seen in terms of action since the publication of that report? So we have we recommended that the Centre for Digital Built Britain set up a um, digital framework task group. And the purpose of this group is to be able to coordinate across industry so that industry are working with data in the same way. Because at the moment, we see that a lot of different utility companies are starting to see the benefits of working with data so that they can better manage their own systems. But the problem is, all the, all the different companies will start to develop their own data, data models, which are beneficial to the individual companies. But the, the value that we really see is when you, build, when you bring all these different models together, then you can see how infrastructure works as a system. So you're not just looking at the individual water company, you're looking at um, the infrastructure system as a, as a whole. And I suppose, and, and we heard from Peter Van Manen uh, earlier uh, today around a common language, really. Uh, he was talking about it just in terms of outputs, uh, lap times in F1 being the, the key criteria that they measure performance against. But I suppose we're also thinking about a common language between companies and between these digital models themselves. And what role do you think standards and, and collaboration have to play in helping us develop that common language? 
Yes, that, that it's really important to have a common language for the way that we work with data and the way that we work with digital twin models. Otherwise, one digital twin model won't be interoperable with another. And we see that it's really important that the Centre for Digital Built Britain, through the Digital Framework Task Group, is set a, they have set out a roadmap to developing this common language or a set of standards for using data so that everyone has guidelines for developing their own data strategies within their companies and then for being able to relate the, the, the data that they have to other organisations so that there's benefit in working with the, the data across the whole system. What do you think are some of the key challenges uh, next in or national digital twin? And what do you think that the tech sector can bring to, to help and, and assist the infrastructure sector in tackling those challenges? Well, I think it, it's important that throughout this, there's um, a strong element of coordination and collaboration. Uh, something that we've talked about today is how we need diverse input into the development of digital twins. And I think it's really important that the tech sector um, keep challenging different utilities, different companies to be coming up with the best way to develop this. So we need a common language that will be developed through the, the framework, through the informa information management framework that's been developed for the by the Centre for Digital Built Britain. But we really need the tech sector to keep coming up with new ideas, new challenges, new ways of working, and to ensure that there is flexibility in this system. Because ultimately, digital twin models will be able to deliver benefits around improving the way that we use and manage and plan our infrastructure. But I think they will also be able to deliver benefits that we can't quite conceive of now. And that's where I think the tech sector can really play a role in helping to, to determine and, and, and set out what these benefits might be. So it's keep the level of ambition high is what you're saying to the to the tech sector. Exactly, because we see that Singapore already has a digital twin of the built environment, but that doesn't have predictive capability. And my challenge to the tech sector is to work with artificial intelligence and machine learning and get it to the level where we can be using it in digital twin models, which are able to predict different solutions to the problems that we have. Well, I think that is a great place in terms of a challenge to us uh, to leave this part of the podcast. Sarah, thank you very much for coming on. And I'm sure we'll uh, be delighted to have you back in a couple of months to see what progress we've made by then as well. Thanks, Matt. And now we're joined by Kevin Reeves from Costain uh, on the Tech UK podcast. Kevin, welcome. Uh, you're here talking about digital twins today. How does a company like Costain end up coming to a uh, tech trade association and talking about the future of our infrastructure in a digital sense? What type of journey have, have you been on? Yeah, so I guess it's really driven by um, the industry-wide change that's currently taking place. I mean, you know, the, the role of a, a tier one contractor as it stands today is changing. Um, I think with the Project 13 paper that was produced by the Infrastructure Client Group highlights, you know, the direction the industry is moving. And I think everyone recognises that, you know, within the infrastructure sectors, there's a lot of work to do um, in terms of digital transformation. Um, and we're looking at other, other industries and other sectors to understand how they've achieved it. And Crossday's role going forward will be as an integrator. 
Now, what that means is um, aligning the supply chain with our clients' digital transformation strategies. Because there's a risk that if we all go off in different directions, um, you know, we'll, we'll increase the risk overall to UK PLC and the infrastructure sectors. So collaboration is, is vital in, in driving that transformation forward. So, so why are we here? Um, it's absolutely uh, in response to, to that changing market conditions. Um, and I think as Costain, we've been around over 150 years. So, you know, we know what it takes to uh, gone continue to change in that time. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And you talked on digital transformation or digitization there a little bit. Obviously, that is integral to the development of digital twin technologies, ultimately. Is digital twin a bit of a Trojan horse in that sense to actually work backwards and digitize the infrastructure sector? So I think the digital twin is an opportunity to uh, guide industry in, in, a, in a common direction. I think one of the challenges that we saw with building information modeling um, was that it was mandated by government, which was a, a massively positive step. Um, but at the same time, um, organizations, as organizations in the supply chain, we all went off in our different directions yeah. and almost created our own version of, of BIM. So I think a lot's been learned actually from, from the BIM initiative. And the hope is that with Digital Twin, um, we can bring everyone together much earlier and align the digital strategies so that we can arrive at the, uh, the big ambition of a, of a national digital twin. And we've touched already today on, on collaboration quite a lot. And, and from what you're saying there, that interoperability element is going to require a lot more collaboration, both within the infrastructure sector, but also with the tech sector and, and other adjacent sectors. And what, what do you think is sort of the key to help uh, facilitate and, and drive that collaboration and, and what type of role do standards have to play ultimately in all of this as well? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's um, in terms of collaboration, we're getting very good at that um, within the infrastructure sector, certainly from a, um, a civil engineering point of view. And that, again, that's been driven by, by clients. But what we've not been very good at is um, aligning the various programs within a client organization so you know a client for example might go and procure it and technology separately from the civil engineering yeah. uh, part of the business but if you want to transform the organization transform uk infrastructure you've got to join up um, putting the hardware and the software together absolutely really. yeah. you know that's that's vital to making it happen you know it's costing we're not a technology company what we are good at is working with technology providers and integrating them into the client's business and that is our role going forwards now how important is standards in that massively important um you know i've learned from historical bitter experience in many cases that without standards you know delivering something that's complex like a national digital twin i'm not going to say it's impossible um, but you're certainly making life more complicated for yourself um, if you don't introduce robust standards so we've been working really closely with the british standards institute um, who've been fantastic in in supporting some of the work that not just we're doing but cdbb uh, and others as well and um that's going to be vital to making this a success and in terms of going back to, to what you just said now around working with technology companies, we're really pleased that you've uh, launched an initiative uh, at the event today uh, around getting more partners really uh, working with you. Can, you. can you give us a bit more information about that? Yeah, so we, we have tremendous success spanning back over the last sort of 10, 15 years in 
bringing technology to the table. So if we've got a, a specific challenge that either we might have as a business or we know that our client has, um, we'll go out to our supply chain and we'll try and find the answer. So we're very, very good at working with SMEs, for example, and I noted two today in the presentation, Enable My Team, Edge Methods, both technology SMEs um, who we posed challenges to and they came up with some brilliant answers and and i think that's what we're interested in is the more technology companies that we can engage we can get around the table you know the more solutions that are going to be put forwards and we find that you know every technology company generally has you know part of the solution but not always all of it so if we bring more technology companies together we, we arrive at the uh, the answer much faster and um we have, of course, over 600 uh, SMEs who are technology focused in this area. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I suppose that's why you're here today talking to uh, many of our members uh, around what some of those challenges are. It is. And it's interesting speaking to some of the companies here today. You know, I think the, the opportunity in infrastructure hasn't been fully recognized by the technology community. I'm hoping that events like today will encourage more technology companies to bring what they've got to the table because you know, we can learn from other industries who've already been through this journey and uh, avoid some of the mistakes that will, will have been made. Well, I think that is a good place to leave this section. Evan, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. I'm oh, thank sure you. we will... Uh, hear from you again on this podcast but in the meantime uh, best of luck with some of those big meaty challenges in the infrastructure sector uh, thank you very much now we have david cookow from the british standards institute uh, here with us on the podcast david thank you very much for agreeing to have a little chat with us today uh, what's your view of, of National Digital Twins, where we are uh, from what you've heard at the event today? Um, I think it is aspirational. Yeah. Um, we have been asked by industry, principally the supply chain, to really kind of understand where industry is on this long journey towards a national digital twin. And I think it is fair to say it is going to be a long journey. It as is well. going to be a, a long journey. Um, it is not going to be one big national digital twin. It will be a federation of multiple twins. Yeah. It will be a federation of multiple twins across multiple industries and ecosystems ultimately we're moving towards a hyper-connected world where transport systems will talk to manufacturing systems etc and the work that we're doing with with industry principally with supply chain if you look at the cddb program and the national digital twin um, initiative it's been driven principally from government academia and the client side our engagement has been with the supply side, which is where we see a lot of innovation happening. Yeah. It is also where we see um, more investment being made, um, principally because the supply chain are under extreme pressure to transform, yeah. probably far quicker than the client side, um, because they are being driven very hard on, on margins and, and productivity. If you look at... Yeah. The built environment productivity is, is been languishing around uh, 1% on, 
growth per annum um, globally, whereas the national, the average globally is probably around 2 2.5%. Yeah. And what we've seen in manufacturing, for example, where they've digitized and transformed, you've seen productivity go up to around 4.5 or 4.8%. So there's lessons to be learned. Real benefits there then as well. Real, real benefits. Um, and I think the built environment and the particularly supply chain have looked at that and thought, well, actually, if we transform, which you really what digital twin is, is around transformation, yeah. using technology and people and process in a more effective way to deliver on major infrastructure projects and programs, you know, there are benefits to be realized. But even that aspiration of um, increasing productivity, I think for industry is still way, way ahead. If you look at where most are on that maturity curve, they are very, very low down in terms of their <clears throat> technology uh, implementation and using that to deliver major projects. So what we've been trying to do with industry is really kind of understand where they are on that journey. Yeah. Um, try and understand what are the key challenges industries facing today, not necessarily tomorrow. Yeah. We found by engaging supply chain, um, particularly international organizations, that uh, they tend to lose interest if the goal is too far out. Right, okay. And they have their short one to three year windows on terms of, you know, being able to uh, return a profit or a margin so or an can, outcome. You can't just have a vision of a national digital twin, even if it provides that focal point and only realize the benefit when you get there. You've got to have incremental benefits small, to individual companies, through yeah. to sectors, industries along Correct. that way as well. So things like grappling with um, things like asset lifecycle management, yeah. Uh, leakage, you know, all the water companies are struggling in the UK with with water leakage. Helping use new technology to solve those problems is a is a great step forward. That that said, um, and I entirely agree with um, the work that the National Infrastructure Commission are doing and CDDB around setting a a roadmap. So although we may start with those small steps in solving those nitty-gritty granular problems that are facing industries today, it's really important that if we are going to realize the value of a of a national digital twin or hyper-connected twins, you do need to make sure people are all going in the right direction. David, I think that is a fantastic place to leave this part of the podcast. We'd heard a, a lot about the need for more collaboration and standards. Uh, throughout today and and through earlier uh, presentations, and it sounds like you've got a lot more work ahead of you to uh, to help realise this vision. But I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more uh, in coming weeks and months from you as well. Looking forward so, to it. Thank you very much, David. Cheers. And now we have Mathieu from Dassault Systems joining us. Uh, Mathieu, welcome to the Tech UK podcast. Uh, it's great to have you on. Uh, we know uh, Dassault Systems uh, most famously from the digital twin that you've developed with Singapore, and you were talking about that today to uh, our members and, and interested people uh, who came along to today's event. Can you, can you just explain for our listeners uh, your relationship with Singapore and, and what you've been able to deliver, both in terms of the technology and I guess critically, of course, that the outputs and the benefits for uh, for Singapore. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, in fact, Singapore um, has 
or customers that we have all around the world in space industry automotive, we develop a strong partnership relationship with Singapore to help them on their planification development to make their city more sustainable, more resilient, to develop the quality of life of the citizens. It's always aligned with public policies that have to be deployed and then a tool design it, simulate it, test it, is very useful, not only on one service that you want to develop, but to understand what's gonna be the impact on this service in a systemic approach, and to see how you have to adapt it regarding your context and your environment. And also, I suppose, then that allows uh, cities, countries even, to start to think, what is the impact of a development in this part of the city versus another part of the city and, and starting to weigh up the benefits of, of an either in fact, or approach there in that sense. Different elements. First, there is simulations with a, a community, well, collaborative approach yeah. by sharing information between all the actors on the platform uh, to validate in early stage what could be the impact um, to speed up a decision process. Because yeah. thanks to the platform, we have a media which is 3D and it's very understandable by any actors as a manager or a specialist or um, a mayor, for instance. Uh, so that's interesting. There's multiple different players within the, within the twin, uh, within the model, and they all have different levels of, of access, I guess. We, ha we have two beliefs. Yeah. The first one is the 3D as a common yeah. media, as I told you yeah. just before, and we believe in collaboration. Yeah. So the platform is a governance platform, yeah. data governance platform. We have access, we are giving, providing the access of the information to the right people at the right time. So that's why we are, it, it's in your DNA and this is completely securizing how it's going to be used at Singapore. And Singapore is obviously the most famous example. Uh, it's one that we focused in on today. Uh, I know you do a lot uh, in Asia in particular, but globally. Can you can you tell us a bit more about some of your, you know, the lessons you've learned elsewhere as well? We are developing a lot in Asia, so we yeah. we're gonna have uh, soon uh, other reference customer uh, as yeah. yes <laughs> uh, that will appear uh, very soon. Um, in fact, they they saw thanks to Singapore example, the values that we can bring to them yeah. uh, in terms of efficiency, in terms of cost saving, uh, in terms of capacity to project themselves in the future. It's, it's very key uh, nowadays yeah. because the, the, the territory is more and more complex with all of lot of factors, lot of new actors because the city can be hacked uh, by uh, yeah. by what I am not judging on those company, yeah. but like Uber, like Waze, because yeah. Waze is providing a mobility service that normally there is a department at the, at the government or at the city that is managing that. So they need, they, they want to appropriate themselves, reappropriate the the territory, the services that they are developing, and to control it and to drive the evolution of the territory because Waze has no impact on the road infrastructure. This yeah. is the cities that have an impact on that. Uh, what, what lessons um, can you help us as we strive towards uh, the goal of a national digital twin? What lessons can, can we learn from uh, Singapore and Asia? And, and I suppose your, your general experience in this space. Yeah, as I mentioned today, what, regarding the experience that I have, what is key It's to support this transformation, to, to have a team that will support the change management, uh, 
uh, it's we're we're providing a software, but yeah. the software is not doing everything. There is a culture to set in place, digital culture that has to be set in place. Um, they need people to make it. It's a, it's a human relation that had to be set. And of course, with a, a same aim or goal that is shared between all the uh, the stakeholders or, or people who are working on this topic. So we need to set in place a vision uh, to clearly explain how we will reach this vision, what will be the path, and then to to work with the stakeholders to to join and to reach this goal. That is uh, fantastic, Mathieu. Thank you for lending us some of that insight. And thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Matthew. And now to close off uh, the podcast, we have Catherine, Program Manager at Tech UK, to give us a bit of a roundup of what's happened today. Catherine, welcome to the podcast. What was sort of the general uh, themes and, and feeling that came out of today's event? Okay, well, I think there was probably about three separate themes that came out of today's event. Uh, the first one, a really strong push for, for more collaboration with all different types of stakeholders. The second one, a really big need for, for focus. Um, where can this digital twin technology um, be enabled best? And finally, around funding, you know, in order to drive a digital twin, a, a national digital twin uh, into the future, where are we going to get the funding from? And collaboration, uh, key theme, obviously, from today. Uh, it was great that we had uh, so many members in the room, but we also announced a initiative uh, with Costain. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that and how members can get involved? Yes, absolutely. So this is um, an initiative we announced with Costain at lunchtime today. Uh, it's basically an opportunity to look at driving forward uh, the reality of a national digital twin, um, bringing together all our members to address the infrastructure challenges that we have today. So the person they need to contact is actually you, Matt. So if you'd like to get in contact, that's matthew.evans at techuk.org. Great. Well, I look forward to members joining us uh, in this initiative as we seek to to grapple and and overcome some of these uh, big challenges and opportunities in the infrastructure space. That is it from the Tech UK podcast. We will be uploading more podcasts throughout the course of this year and do stay in touch at techuk.org.